the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. All right, all right. Welcome back to the show. This is Morgan Zegers. Thank you guys so much for joining in again. Uh, lots going on right now. I'm going to give you an update on the FBI raid of President Trump's home in Mar-a-Lago. We're going to shift to some cultural issues. We've got a lot of updates here. One right now is pretty crazy. Actually, both of them are. We have a, a trans activist just got exposed for sending drugs across the country to minors. So trying to get extra prescription drugs that are hormone changing and sending them to kids that don't have authorization to actually take this life changing and body changing medicine. Um, Crazy update, unfortunately, from Boston Children's Hospital. They are now performing hysterectomies on young girls, uh, so so minors. They are removing minors' ability to have children in the future, to bear children, removing their female reproductive parts. Um, it It's sickening. We'll get into it. And then last, we have an update regarding 2020. The midterms are coming up, so we'll keep an eye on that kind of stuff. And most importantly, we are seeing big tech roll out their new censorship platform policies, and we'll get into the details on that at the end. With that being said, let's get started. All right, so I figured we should do a little update on anything else that we've learned about the FBI raid on Trump's Mar-a-Lago home in Florida. What we're hearing now is that apparently an FBI informant, so somebody close to Trump, gave the information about what could potentially have been kept in the safe that was opened in his home. Apparently these people were like spending a lot of time in Melania's closet and going through his private office for a very long time. There was an issue with the cameras. They didn't let the lawyers in. It was a very sketchy, sketchy operation. Shocker here. I, I mean, I'm not shocked. That was, that was sarcasm in case you guys didn't notice. Uh, one of the things though is that they're saying, well, we had an informant or there must have been an informant to let them know that there was this safe that existed that they should get into. Some people are saying, are you kidding? When was the last time we could trust the FBI's justification for doing something like this? Why should we trust that that's the reason? When in reality, they're probably just trying to justify some sneaky way that they got information on this in probably an illegal way, an unconstitutional way. And so now they're just saying, oh, no, we had an informant. Yeah, uh, don't ask us anything else about this. But with that being said, it could have been an informant. And so I saw an interesting piece in Breitbart that Mulvaney, so the former acting chief of, chief of staff, Mick Mulvaney, of the Donald Trump White House, he went on CNN, and there was this little exchange that took place between Mick and uh, the CNN host. So the CNN host asks him, quote, this is someone with knowledge inside who told the feds that there was additional material at Mar-a-Lago, directed them where it should be, clearly was concerned enough to tell them this information they should have besides the 15 boxes of material that they got in the winter. Because remember, you guys, if you listened to the last episode where we went over the raid, back in February-ish, 
the FBI got 15 boxes of documents from President Trump's home. So the fact that they went back is a little sus. Um, Back to the article. So the guy goes on and he asks, does that change your mind? Is that now sufficient when you have someone actually aligned with him, so aligned with Trump, drawing the attention of the feds to these documents? And to that, Mulvaney said, quote, it is certainly worthwhile and worth noting, no question. It would be valid on getting a search warrant or part of getting a search warrant. The other thing the FBI had to establish, however, was that the documents were in imminent risk of being destroyed or removed from the location. Unless they had evidence that Trump was directing people to destroy documents, and if he was doing that now, why wasn't he doing that six months ago? So, you guys, that's a good question, is if they needed to raid in such an aggressive and violent way, then they must have been tipped into the fact that Trump was trying to destroy these documents. But why the heck would he still have these kind of documents and be so quick to sneakily destroy them when he probably should have been doing that a long time ago? Why would he have these documents for so long in the first place? So some of the things are not adding up. So back to this, Mulvaney then says, When the FBI has the track record it has in the recent past about dealing with Republicans, the burden is on them to show that they are absolutely on the up and up. And releasing that affidavit is something they can and should do. The CNN host then says, how close do you think that person in Trump's orbit would have to have be would have to be? to know the details about where these documents were. So then Mulvaney says, really close. I didn't even know that there was a safe at Mar-a-Lago, and I was chief of staff for 15 months. This would be someone who was handling things on day-to-day, who knew where documents were, so it would be somebody very close to the president. My guess is there was probably six or eight people who had that kind of information. I don't know the people on the inside circles these days, so I can't give any names of folks who come to mind, but your instinct, I think, is a good one. If you know where the safe is and you know the documents are in 10 boxes in the basement, you're pretty close to the president, end quote. So that little exchange back and forth touched on a few really good points, but if this is an FBI informant, then that's a little concerning. And at the same time, this could also be a mind trick, right, of them trying to sow doubt in Team Trump, especially as we get into campaign season. Now, getting to the good, good stuff, we've got today, I'm filming this Thursday, so Thursday this week, August 11th, Merrick Garland, who's the Attorney General of the United States, He did a press conference at the Department of Justice, and he confirmed that he personally approved the Mar-a-Lago raid. He also refused to take questions. Why am I shocked? Uh, Not shocked. Here's his interaction. I'll just play it for you guys. Federal law, longstanding department rules, and our ethical obligations prevent me from providing further details as to the basis of the search at this time. There are, however certain points I want you to know. First, I personally approve the decision to seek a search warrant in this matter. Second, the department does not take such a decision lightly. Where possible, it is standard practice to seek less intrusive means as an alternative to a search and to narrowly scope any search that is undertaken. Third, Let me address recent unfounded attacks on the professionalism of the FBI and Justice Department agents and prosecutors. I will not stand by silently when their integrity is unfairly attacked. The men and women of the FBI and the Justice Department are dedicated, patriotic public servants. Every day, they protect the American people from violent crime, terrorism, 
and other threats to their safety while safeguarding our civil rights. They do so at great personal sacrifice and risk to themselves. I am honored to work alongside them. This is all I can say right now. More information will be made available in the appropriate way and at the appropriate time. So this is what really grinds my gears, you guys. Everybody's really talking about this right now. He said, faithful adherence to the rule of law is the bedrock principle of the Justice Department, of our democracy. Upholding the rule of law means applying the law evenly without fear or favor. Under my watch, that is precisely what the Justice Department is doing. I mean, really? Really? Are you kidding me? I mean, guys, this is the same FBI, this is the same Justice Department that's going after uh, concerned parents who are worried about their children being indoctrinated and sexualized in the classroom. And on top of that, it's the same FBI that's failing to do things like properly go after someone who's more deserving of it, like Hillary Clinton or um, Hunter Biden. I just saw Hunter Biden, I kid you not, walk onto Air Force One because they're going on vacation. So the guy that has a bunch of international hooker deals and the guy who got percentages of his business dealings with international people from Russia, businesses from Russia, Ukraine, and communist China, 10% for the big guy, who's the big guy, his father, that's all on a laptop that is completely provable, a very real laptop with very real evidence, and it's being very seriously ignored. I mean, they say that it's being investigated, right? And then... It, nothing's ever actually going to happen. I hope you guys realize that. That'd be a, a shock to me. That is when I would be actually shocked if anything was actually done to people involved with Epstein or Clinton or the Bidens. I would be shocked. Draw dropped. So when Garland goes on national TV for a press conference and says he's upholding the rule of law, it means applying it evenly without fear or favor. They operate with fear by scaring us into compliance. They operate by using force, because they are all about these executive orders and mandates, and they took people's jobs and ability to put food on the table just because they wouldn't comply with getting a vaccine, that means you're operating with fear, with force, and with power of the bureaucracy weaponized against average Americans who are just trying to speak out about concerns of unconstitutional and unjust behavior from the federal government. So that's what the Justice Department is doing. But Garland says that's precisely not what the Justice Department is doing. And it, I think to us, what really struck me this time is that it's so disheartening when they give us these rah-rah unity speeches as they are ripping our country apart. Does anybody else feel that? It's kind of, it's, I don't want to say that I'm, I'm feeling sad about it or that it's really getting to me, but it's kind of disheartening. It weighs on my mind. It's weary. It's weary to have to watch this and know what they're actually doing and see that they think we're stupid enough because a lot of people are falling for this. You guys, they know that we are controllable when we act like sheep. And so they can continue to manipulate us in this way by claiming that they are holy and righteous and, and just, um, a few things here. So he also says, this is about our democracy. When I filmed Freedom Papers with Connor uh, for Turning Point, we just did Freedom or Federalist Paper 44 and 45 yesterday. And what I noticed is, especially when you get into the second half of the Federalist Papers, where James Madison, Alexander Hamilton, John Jay wrote uh, two through five, so he wasn't involved in them after. But 
when they're in that second half, the, the guys who are writing the Federalist Papers, they always talk about our constitutional republic, our republic, our republic, our republic. That's what we are. You don't see democracy, democracy, democracy. And I find it fascinating that when we look at the language of the founders versus the language of the modern politicians today that are upending our country, upending our economic system and our constitution itself, they keep claiming that they're doing this in the name of saving a democracy, but our founders are like, uh, that's, that's not really what we are. <laughs> so that's one thing that really caught my attention. The other, and I believe this was in Federalist 45, I'm sorry if it's in 44, but one of the concerns that Madison brings up is that the people in countries that constantly have to watch and be controlled by force and by fear and insecurity, they become weary. He used the term weary of the constant ping-ponging. And Connor and I were talking about, you know, in America, it's getting to the point right now of when one administration comes up, we're ping-ponged to the other side, and then the other administration gets elected after four years and or eight years, and then oh, we're ping-ponged back to the other side of the table. And it's it's we feel weary of this. That's because the federal government now has so much power that it matters who is elected president because it used to not really matter as much. The president, the federal government was supposed to be small but strong and really our lives were more impacted by our local and state governments. Now, it matters who is in charge in D.C. because it's the largest aspect of our government. It's the largest impact on our day-to-day lives because they've made it into this monster an uncontrollable monster that is weaponized against us. So yes, we do feel like a ping pong with every election for president, every election for Congress, and uh, every election when the Senate is changed because it's exhausting to have to deal with this massive change over the power changes in D.C. after every federal election. The other thing is, too, of like, you know, at the same time, this is a lot less wearying. I I don't know if that's the proper term. This is a lot less tiring for this kind of pong pong than it is <laughs> pong pong. This is a lot less tiring in terms of this form of ping pong in modern day of just who's elected into office and who's going to be in power for that that term because what it used to be without the stability of a federalist constitutional republic It was, oh my gosh, who's going to invade next? Who's going to lead us next? As the colonies, what is the monarchy over across the sea going to do to to us next? Imagine the weariness of having to deal with never knowing what your future holds, never knowing how safe your family is going to be, how, how solid the economy is going to be, how able you were to take care of your kids in six months, one year, five years, especially 10 years. You had no idea what was gonna happen next. At least we still have, thank God, Thank God, because this country was put together by providence, especially if you look at Federalist too. Thank God we have this foundation, and it's savable, it's fixable. And yes, I realize I just went on a rant. Let's get back to the article. Um, so going back to how frustrating his statement is, he continues. He says, all Americans are entitled to the even-handed application of the law. Okay, Hillary Clinton, not to due process of law red flag laws not, and to the presumption of innocence. Much of our work is by necessity conducted out of the public eye. We do that to protect the constitutional rights of all Americans and to protect the integrity of our investigations. He then said, recent unfounded attacks, unfounded, unfounded, recent unfounded attacks on the professionalism of the FBI and Justice Department agents and prosecutors. I will not stand by these. I will not stand silent while their integrity is unfairly attacked. So let's go over that again. Unfounded attacks. 
unfairly attacked. Unfounded attacks. Unfairly attacked. I mean, if you act the way the FBI has acted, then I would say there is, you know, a a pretty solid foundation for these attacks. I'd say these attacks are pretty fair. And most recently, I literally just told you guys about this before the FBI raided Trump, that domestic violence and militia sheet that they had that got leaked, you saw what was on it. Revolutionary war symbols could be indicative of militias, domestic violence and militias in America. The Betsy Ross flag, the Gadsden flag, quotes from the oath of office to protect our nation against all enemies, foreign and domestic. If you see that kind of text on social media, that could potentially indicate to the FBI that you're potentially a domestic terrorist or a part of a militia. Do you see how when those kind of documents are leaked from the FBI, it's really hard to not accuse them of of being attack worthy and to actually attack them verbally, verbally. Oh my gosh, that's funny. Um, but I digress. Next thing. The men and women of the FBI and Justice Department are dedicated, patriotic public servants every day. Well, whoever put that document together that I just mentioned, I wonder how they felt putting that document together. Was that super patriotic of them? Did they feel super patriotic? (laughs) I wish I could watch that so bad. Um, They protect the American people from violent crime, terrorism, and other threats to their safety while safeguarding our civil rights. Again, what they classified as terrorism, domestic terrorism, was the Betsy Ross flag and American founding statements and patriotic American slogans. So is it patriotic now to protect the American people against the threats that they are creating in their own minds and manufacturing? Calling and and manufacturing a fear of these patriotic American Revolution symbols? You're going to wonder. So this article by the post-millennial that's referencing all this, sorry, I forgot to to tell you, post-millennial article, it ends and it says, our attorney general concluded the briefing by saying that this is all the information he can reveal at the moment, and then he left without taking any questions. I just love this new habit that they've created of not answering questions about anything because the whole point of a free press was supposed to be that the politicians and government were held accountable by a press that would then report the information to the people, but what do you know? I guess this is modern times. So the last thing about the Trump thing. In the post-millennial, right at the end, it includes a section about what Trump was saying. He released a statement on Truth Social the day after the raid, and he suggested that FBI agents may have planted evidence in the residence. He said, quote, the FBI and others from the federal government would not let anyone, including my lawyers, be present anywhere near the areas that were rummaged and otherwise looked at during the raid at Mar-a-Lago. Everyone was asked to leave the premise. They wanted to be left alone without any witnesses to see what they were doing, taking, or hopefully not planting. Why did they strongly insist on having nobody watching them? Everybody out. Obama and Clinton were never raided, despite big disputes. End quote. I completely agree with him. If Merrick Garland is true about how he wants to bring transparency, how he wants to honor people's constitutional rights, he wants to uphold the integrity of the FBI and Justice Department and the federal government itself, then why would they be so, so shady with their behavior in investigating and raiding a former president of the United States and upcoming candidate for president one more time? 
their actions don't match their words. All right? And with that, let's move on. Okay. This one's going to get you going. So just, you know, sit down, maybe. (laughs) This segment is infuriating. I'm just going to warn you. We've got some culture updates, people. And when it comes to caring about protecting American culture, the American Nuclear Family Unit, and children are most vulnerable in society. I'm a little passionate. So I don't know how this is going to go. To be honest, I I was tearing up reading the original versions of these. I don't know if it's because it's the woman in me. It's uh, when I talk to 20-something-year-old and 30-something-year-old young conservative women and we see what's happening to young girls, like I'm about to explain to you guys, you'll understand. And I think you'll be able to see why this is such an issue for men and women to stand together on and stand up to these monsters. I think it's Satan. It's Satan himself. The first thing, this one's, you know, this one's just a prep for the next one that I'll tell you about. I'm looking at an article right now, foxnews.com. First of all, I have a problem with the headline. Because, like, listen, the headline from Fox News is conservatives accuse trans activists of illegally sending hormone drugs to children, citing social media. The underheadline is, conservatives say the plan is a crime on several different levels. Okay, um, did we accuse trans activists of illegally sending hormone drugs to children and cite social media? Or did trans activists post themselves talking about how they illegally send hormone drugs to children onto social media and we're just calling them out for it? What do you think? It's the second one. So this all started because a post was found, I believe, by Libs of TikTok, but it could have been someone else. I just love Libs of TikTok, so I know she's a big part of this. Libs of TikTok shared and found something online from somebody named Eli Ehrlich. Eli Ehrlich, a trans activist. Eli's post on Instagram was of them holding a pill. I believe this is a biological woman that identifies as trans might be wrong but eli says there are over 20 states trying to criminalize hormone therapy particularly for trans youth and by trans youth you guys this is morgan speaking they mean children (laughs) back to the quote quote so my friends and i had an idea sending out our extra prescriptions around the country if you need hormones i'm working with a distribution network to get you access Everything is free. No questions asked. We have hundreds of doses of testosterone, estradiol, and another one that I can't pronounce, spironolactone. Spironolactone? Let's see. I don't know. Country bumpkin over here. And he says they're available right now. Or she says. They say. I don't know. All are prescribed by doctors and unused. Each package comes with information on dosage, obtaining blood work, etc. I realize this is only a Band-Aid solution. We need full access to affirmative medical care from professionals immediately. However, missing a single dose of hormones can be devastating, especially for trans teens and those new to hormones. These laws are outrageous, and I can't wait for them to be overturned. In the meantime, DM me if you need HRT or if you have overprescribed hormones you'd like to send out. Yep. That is a very proud trans activist 
posting about how they are collecting not only their own, but other people's overprescribed hormone drugs and sending them to minors, trans youth is what they call them, around the country. Now he says it himself, or this per- Eli says it himself, and says it is very damaging, devastating is what he says, to miss a dose of hormones. So what happens if a teenager, a young child, gets their hands on this, they aren't prescribed it, they take a, a few pills and then their body's like, whoa, 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 whoa. What happens next when you run out? What happens when you don't have the proper prescription and you're just taking drugs sent to you via mail from adults willy-nilly? I don't know. I literally have no idea, and that's the whole point. This is an experiment. All of this, this medical treatment, especially of children stopping their puberty, all of it is an experiment. If you haven't watched What is a Woman yet, you need to go watch it, okay? But back to the point, and speaking of What is a Woman, Matt Walsh, love him, I watch his videos all the time now. I'm actually a big Matt Walsh fan after I watched What is a Woman. And so now when I get ready in the mornings, I just watch his YouTube videos. And I've never been somebody that watches YouTube videos really of like another personality or commentator or anything. And now I'm like, ooh, I hope he posted a new one today. <laughs> a little fangirl over here. Um, but Matt Walsh tweeted, wow, Eli Ehrlich is sending drugs to children across the country without prescriptions, parental consent, or any legal authority whatsoever. This is a crime on several different levels. End quote. The Fox News article brings up the policies that this trans activist was mentioning in their Instagram post. It says states such as Florida have advised against administering hormone therapy to youths. The Sunshine State's Board of Medicine is currently working to ban such treatments for children under 18. Ehrlich's original Instagram post is now deleted due to the, quote, extreme harassment of libs of tic- from libs of TikTok and Matt Walsh's fans, according to the activist. Quote, I have been harassed, doxxed, and lied about after they made these posts. The sentiment stands. All trans people should have access to gender-affirming care, said Ehrlich, who self-describes as, quote, extremely queer and incredibly trans, and is the founder of the Trans Student Educational Resources Group, So Eli is busted because Eli was sending drugs and posting about it online happily and calling for other people to do the same and asking for young youth, children, to submit that they also needed these drugs to be sent to them. And now he's saying that he's being harassed, doxxed, and lied about after what? He got caught posting publicly that he was doing a a very serious crime? Walsh, Matt Walsh, also tweeted a YouTube link, though. This is the thing, which was posted in March 2021 from Ehrlich's page, where the activist recounted having, quote, ordered a double dose of hormones and testosterone blockers. Here's the video. Every month for the past several years, I've ordered a double dose of hormones and testosterone blockers. I save all the extra pills for my best friends, my closest lovers, and my worst enemies. I just hope these little pills can bring some joy into their lives. Later, you had the libs of TikTok account saying that it alerted the USDA, the U.S. Drug Enforcement Administration, to what was going on. They said, Thread, I just busted an international illegal drug operation. Will FBI and DEA do anything? The libs of TikTok account asked. It is illegal under federal law to use or possess someone else's prescription drugs. The DEA told Fox News that it does not confirm or otherwise comment on ongoing investigations. I mean, hey, maybe they are really maybe they are really coming through on this one. We don't know. But the FBI did not immediately respond to a request for comment. 
Now, this is where it's sick, you guys. Eli decided to take this further. In an Instagram story, they thanked Matt Walsh and Libs of TikTok for the, quote, free advertisement for the services amid the controversy. So they're sending children hormone-disrupting drugs that will alter the development of their body. Yes. Are you cracking? They are doing that, admitted it online, got caught, and now are thanking Matt Walsh and Libs of TikTok and people that are calling them out for this illegal activity for the free advertisement for the services that they are claiming to provide. Ehrlich posted additional tweets from Matt Walsh in a follow-up Instagram story reviewed by Fox News Digital on Sunday morning saying, Look, Matt Walsh, I know you have a thing for trans women, but you already have my attention. I'm still not interested in you. Sorry. There they go again. There they go again. Matt Walsh replied and said, Matt Walsh told Fox News in this story that Ehrlich has confessed to a plan to distribute controlled substances through the mail and across state lines, including to minors. This breaks so many laws that it's difficult to keep count. Ehrlich may harbor the delusions of being above the law as a member of a protected class, but I believe that the law should be enforced equally especially where the safety of children is concerned. I will do everything in my power to make sure that this confessed drug peddler is brought to justice. If you guys don't know Matt Walsh yet, you need to go follow him right now, okay? He's my favorite person. He has been for quite some time now, and I'm really, really glad that he exists and that he's standing up as a man should. I believe men should be leading, especially on these cultural issues. But back to the point of someone got called out for sending illegally drugs to minors throughout the country, that will completely interrupt the development of their body and affect them for the rest of their lives. And what is their response? They accuse Matt Walsh of wanting to sleep with them. Why are they always so creepy about this stuff? Why do they always make it sexual? Why do they find their importance and their purpose to always be related to something that's so depraved? Yeah, I gotta wonder. This reminds me, if you guys weren't following me at the time, and we've got more more subscribers to the show since this last happened, but I was in D.C., uh, I think maybe May, April? I don't know. I was in Washington, D.C. for a speech earlier this spring, and I go to a diner, and I sit down. I'm wearing a TPUSA hat, Turning Point USA, because I'm a proud contributor to them. I do a lot of history content, like I said, Freedom Papers podcast, but... I'm sitting there in my little denim hat. It's my favorite hat, actually, eating my breakfast. And someone walks in. And because I'm a young woman, I like to be situationally aware of what the heck's going on around me, especially when I'm traveling and I don't have my firearm because I'm always concealed carrying, usually, unless I'm in a place like Washington, D.C. So I'm sitting there and I look and this guy is standing on the other side of the restaurant, on the other side of the, the breakfast bar. And causing a scene with his weird presence. And so eventually the waitress asked him what he's doing. And he asked the waitress for a seat as far away from me as possible. Because he said, if that's a Turning Point USA hat, I can't sit near her. And then he went on this huge rant, blah, 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 about how I accept blood money because we're pro-2A and the Second Amendment isn't supposed to include individual carry for human beings and stuff like that. It was a, it was a big thing. But towards the end, he just completely derailed and he got creepy. So he ended up, this is what was so funny. He he asked for the furthest seat for me, right? Well, (laughs) the the furthest seat was like two seats down for me at the breakfast bar. (laughs) So it was a tiny place. 
it derailed as soon as he had to make it sexual. It's kind of what the left does. It's like when you when they personally insult you, when they start calling you a homophobe or a transphobe or a bigot or a misogynist, like they call me a misogynist, a woman. They say that I'm internally misogynistic because my views as a conservative woman actually hurt women in the end, and so that makes me a woman hater because the definition of misogynist is to hate and hurt women. Um, fascinating when you try and do the mental gymnastics to understand that. But this guy, it's derailing, and what do you know? He had to make it creepy and sexual and personal. So instead of talking about the Second Amendment, instead of talking about our God-given rights, instead of talking about the laws of nature and nature's God and the constitutional rights that are given to us, the Supreme Court decisions that were decided that give us and guarantee us not give us because God gives us our rights, but guarantee and protect our rights, our God-given rights, including the ability to do things like own and operate a firearm, not just some you know, state militia that they discuss these days. The guy started talking about how, oh, well, guys that carry guns around and have big trucks, they're just part of the small penis gun club. And I was like, what? A middle-aged man is talking to a 25-year-old young woman at a breakfast bar trying to bring up the size of people's private parts to make a political point about gun safety and connecting that back to children dying in school shootings. He had to bring up private parts. And so I just enjoyed it so much in the sense that I, I looked right at him and I said, why would you bring that up? Why do you have to make it sexual? Why do you have to make it so creepy? Why did you have to bring up private parts into this discussion? I'm a young woman, and that's wildly inappropriate for you to bring up those topics with me in a public discussion. And I just had such a fun time with it because it's like, why do they always make it so weird? Like, why? Matt Walsh does not want to sleep with this trans activist. The trans activist knows that. They're just delusional, and they're losing because they can't have a serious political argument. Reminds me of this AOC statement. I think that there's a lot of people more concerned about being precisely, factually, and semantically correct than about being morally right. Makes you wonder. Okay, with that being said, let's move on to the next story. You guys, I want to remind you of a video. Actually, one last thing about what is a woman. We're talking about trans stuff, okay? We're talking about the important things. We have to bring up what is a woman. One of my favorite interviews in What is a Woman is between a woman, biological woman, that went through a lot of transition steps to look and appear as a man. And what's fascinating is in the interview, she admits, she's like, I did all of these surgeries, all of these transitions, and I will never be a man. I only appear as a man, partly even. Like, you could tell it's it's not exactly a masculine figure, but it's a really sad sight, to be honest. And... Matt Walsh is asking them, and the person completely admits all of the struggles that they go through as an adult because of the sex change surgery that they went through. Here it is. For the first time in history, a marginalized group has a huge dollar sign on the top of their head. We have five children's hospitals in the United States promoting that. That's a phalloplasty. That's a bottom surgery. We have five children's hospitals in the United States telling girls that they can be boys at $70,000 a pop in a surgery that has a 67% complication rate. That will kill me from infection that I can't sue on 
we're butchering a generation of children because nobody's willing to talk about anything. I have three kids at the age that they're doing this to kids. I'm not transphobic. I love my kids and I love other people's kids and you should too. This is wrong on so many levels. So you can look at the kind of stuff that I just talked about with you with the these crazy woke activists doing things like creating drug networks that they're sending hormone drugs, prescri- prescribed hormone drugs that aren't prescribed to the kids, to kids around the country that are trying to basically sneak it past their parents and any authority figures in their lives. And you could say, oh, it's just those crazy people and we just got to get them. But what do you do when you look at headlines like this from the post-millennial? Boston Children's Hospital gleefully encourages surgical pharmaceutical gender transition for teens. What do you do when that's the case? When Boston Children's Hospital, a hospital we've probably all heard of, we probably have all had a lot of respect for what they've achieved and what they've done. They've done amazing things. So how do we have authority figures in the medical field like this that are committing this act? Just listen in on this one. It says Boston Children's Hospital boasts about having the first pediatric transgender surgery center in the country, offering a, quote, full suite of surgical options for transgender teens. Boston Children's Hospital promotes their surgeries through a video series on their official YouTube channel with titles like, quote, what you need to know before phalloplasty surgery. The 90 videos in the series paint a rosy picture of the genital, chest, and face surgeries they offer, accompanied by upbeat background music. This is also this article is by Christina Buttons. It's very good. Chris Elston, otherwise known as, quote, Billboard Chris, shared a tweet on Tuesday of a video in the Children's Hospital playlist called, quote, What Happens During a Gender-Affirming Hysterectomy? Yep. Here is Dr. Francis Germstad in the video. Gender-affirming hysterectomy is very similar to most hysterectomies that occur. A hysterectomy itself is the removal of the uterus, the cervix, which is the opening of the uterus, and the fallopian tubes, which are attached to the sides of the uterus. Some gender-affirming hysterectomies will also include the removal of the ovaries, but that's technically a separate procedure called a bilateral oophorectomy. And not every gender-affirming hysterectomy includes that, and people who are getting gender-affirming hysterectomies do not have to have their ovaries removed. So yes, like the doctor says, a hysterectomy for minors is gender-affirming, like they called it, and they, they claim themselves it's the removal of the uterus, cervix, which is the opening of the uterus, and the fallopian tubes, which are attached to the sides of the uterus. The doctor says this with a smile and says that it could also include the removal of the ovaries. Basically, that's the entire female reproductive system. I don't know about you guys, but I, before we get more into this, I don't remember my thoughts, even when I'm in my late teens. I have a not the best memory, to be honest, but I truly cannot remember a lot of moments from my youth. I don't know if that's just me or, but truly, I, I ask you right now, think of what you remember from your childhood and the feelings. I know that I had some sad times and some happy times, but 
I truly don't understand much about what I wanted at those moments. And there was so much confusion, I'm sure, for little Morgan and same for little you guys. And now we have little, young, confused teeny boppers that truly just need love and authority and respect for their human dignity and the fact that, yeah, they might be going through a hard time, they might be really confused, but they need proper guidance and that's what adults are supposed to provide them. And instead, they're getting sicko adults, sicko parents, sicko doctors, and disgusting other authority-level people in their lives saying, oh, oh, okay, you want to cut your breasts off? You want to remove your reproductive system as a young teenager and your brain is like a decade away from being finally formed? Did you know men don't have their the part of their brain that helps them make rational decisions finalize formation until they're 25? It's, it's still late in their, the teens for women, I believe. But still, when you are allowing these age children, because that's what they are, under 18, they're minors, make a decision like this. As adults, I believe that is child abuse. I cannot imagine the horror that I would feel now if maybe little Morgan back then, I, you know, I was kind of messy. I was like kind of wild back then. I didn't grow up in a Christian home. I didn't grow up in a religious home. I was so, so swayed by pop culture. You guys uh, want to know a little bit? When I was a teenager, <laughs> I would go to like a hippie shop and I would wear this like opal necklace or, and like I was really into all of the like the star stuff and I was into like the gypsy stuff. I listened to Fleetwood Mac and I had this little opal necklace choker that I would wear from the local hippie weed shop and I had a picture, I, I was reading, uh, what is it, The Feminine Mystique, and I was like, wow, this is so cool, and I had a, a little picture of Hillary Clinton, I remember this, picture of Hillary Clinton and Bill Clinton on my wall when I was like 16, of them in college, because they went to college together at like Georgetown, and they had these cool circular glasses on, and it's just such a like cool 70s vibe or whatever year it was, and I remember being like, wow, they are so cool and inspirational. What a power couple. I literally didn't know anything, right? I was really malleable. I was really easily manipulated, and I had no concept of self-worth. I had no concept of Jesus Christ. I didn't, you know, imagine learning, imagine this, imagine learning (laughs) the story of the Old Testament and the New Testament and the sacrifice that was made for us by our God through Jesus Christ. Can you believe that? Imagine not knowing that and learning that. Like that's, that's all pretty like recent for me in the last handful of years. But imagine a teenager growing up in today's environment with this disgusting culture and this disgusting, uh, the media that we see, the music, the things that we're learning in the classroom and the things that we're not learning in the classroom. And then we go to college and we're just further indoctrinated. I really am just so glad that none of that of when I didn't really understand myself, my self-worth, my purpose in this world, the things that I love and the things that I deeply want. Like, I cannot wait to have babies. I cannot wait to have that family life one day. My values are a certain way. And they really didn't form until I was in my 20s. And I'm just so thankful that I am not a teenager nowadays, where if you're confused, you can have authority level people adults in your life say okay we'll we'll affirm your confusion we'll affirm your misbeliefs about yourself and we will allow you to make decisions that you will one day regret 
Because now these teenagers that are in a very weak mental state are going to a doctor and the doctor will remove their ability to have children one day. The double mastectomy, I, I, I didn't know that they were doing hysterectomies on young teenagers. So at first, I really only thought that it was a double mastectomy that was really the thing that we had to pay attention to, which is the removal of both breasts. And we have seen, I'm going to play this right now, a clip of one example of a, a young woman who had her breasts removed as a teenager. And now, guess what? She regrets it. She is no longer trans. And she admits this, is all, this was all insane. And now her biggest regret is that she cannot breastfeed her children one day. And I might be at increased risk for certain cancers, namely cervical cancer. And because I do not have my breasts, I, I no longer have breasts. I, I'm not able to breastfeed whatever future children I have. That realization actually was um, one of the biggest things that leads to me realizing that I, this was not the path that I should have taken. Like that is the most primal thing that you're removing from someone. And it's the, one of the greatest sources of joy and one of the best experiences in life. And they took that from a child. And now as an adult, she has to look back on that and look at the adults in the room and say, what the heck were you doing to me? Why did you let me do that to myself? Take that and now put that into imagine not even being able to have children one day because the adults in your life allowed you to remove your reproductive system when you were a teenager, when you were a child. With that being said, let's get back into it. So we have Boston Children's Hospital performing hysterectomies on young girls, removing their ability as teenagers to ever have children. It's irreversible. The article says a bulletin on the Children's Hospital Gender Multispecial Service homepage reads, quote, at Boston Children's, we're proud to be home to the first pediatric and adolescent transgender health program in the United States, and we've treated more than 1,000 families to date. 1,000 families treated at their gender multispecialty service. Boston Children's Hospital founded the Gender Multispecialty Service, program in 2007 and welcomes patients as young as three years old at gems our mission is to assess and care for gender diverse children teens and young adults our skilled team includes specialists in plastic surgery urology endocrinology nursing gender management and social work to collaborate to provide a full suite of surgical options for transgender teens teens and young adults Boston Children's Hospital abides by the gender affirmative model of care, meaning the children's beliefs about their gender are taken at face value without question, the post-millennial says. Quote, we believe in a gender affirmative model of care, which supports transgender and gender diverse youth in the gender in which they identify. Again, wow. The post-millennial says, but gender affirmation care is rooted in gender ideology, which is a belief system based on the falsehood that whether someone is a man, boy, woman, or girl has nothing to do with one's biology, but instead is determined by one's subjective and undef undefinable gender identity. Therefore, males can be women and girls, and females can be boys and men. 
Gender ideology also claims that a felt mismatch between one's body and one's gender identity can be corrected by puberty blockers, cross-sex hormones, and surgeries, what the Boston Children's Hospital aims to offer. Now, here's where we get a little disturbing. I mean, that was already disturbing what we've already been talking about, right? But a little more disturbing. For children nine and under, the hospital helps facilitate a social transition that prepares them for their 10th birthday which is when children are offered individualized treatment plans that can include puberty blockers, cross-sex hormones, and chest surgeries. Again, I don't remember anything about what I thought about the world or myself or my body at 9 years old, or 10 years old, or heck, even 15 years old. But they will remove the breasts, and begin planning a plan to remove the breasts and the ability to breastfeed a child in the future from a 10-year-old girl. Boston Children's Hospital relies on the World Professional Association for Transgender Health Standards of Care model. Genital surgeries require several letters of support from the patient's health care providers and must have lived under their identified gender for 12 months. Only 12 months. Only a year. Especially as you get older, the years fly by. And so I'm like, you're kidding me. It's already been a year. So all you have to do as a child is, is live as the opposite gender for a year. And you will qualify for these things. For phalloplasty, which is the creation of a fake penis from skin taken elsewhere on the body, and a metoidioplasty, I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing that, which is the creation of a fake penis from existing genital tissues, they ask that the people be at least 18 years old per guidelines. So to put a fake penis on a girl and cut her up all down there, you have to be only 18 years old according to the world guidelines. Again, I don't even know what I was thinking about myself at 15 or 18, you guys. Patients only 17 years old can obtain a vaginoplasty. But Dr. Oren Ganner, the co-director of Boston Children's Centers for Gender Surgery, hinted in an email that children even younger can be operated on. Ganner said in an email that he is, quote, slightly flexible when it comes to the age of males seeking genital surgery. So men that want to cut their penis off and have it made into a fake vagina, 17 years old. Ganner adds that the policy has not been finalized, quote, because of the issue around consent for sterilization, which is part of the procedure. Again, you guys, I like I'm breathing heavy because I can't stand talking about this, but I know that we need to sterilization you're you're removing that child's ability to ever procreate and and make babies one day dr jeremiah slama a plastic surgeon at boston medical center describes the vaginoplasty procedure quote it involves an orchiectomy removing the testicles and we use the skin tube of the penis and some of the skin of the perineum to pretty much turn it outside in, and that becomes the new vagina. So they sterilize the boy and then turn it into a fake lady part on kids. Because if you're under 18, you're a child. 
Boston Children's Hospital accepts teens as young as 15 years old seeking chest surgeries, such as double mastectomies, which would remove their ability to ever breastfeed a child, for female patients, and breast augmentation, a boob job, for male patients. All of these, quote, gender-affirming, end quote, surgeries are covered through commercial insurers and the state's Medicaid program in Massachusetts. You heard me right. Taxpayer-funded. Here's an action item for you. Find out if youth gender-affirming surgeries are covered in your state. In other situations, they may pay for it with taxpayer dollars if it's deemed, quote, medically necessary. Now, here's the thing, you guys. A tricky situation that we deal with with the trans youth issue is you have authority-level people, parents, doctors, leaders that are supposed to be properly guiding children and helping them. They will accuse you of violence or or hurting or threatening the life of, aka mean medically necessary. They will accuse you of these things and use this inflated language because it's not like the trans person is going to die if they don't get this surgery. Instead, they say that it's life-saving because the trans kid will kill themselves if they don't get to transition. Do you see that manipulation there? So a lot of the time you're, oh, we've got to save trans lives and, and trans people are dying, blah, blah, blah. When they talk like that, they're saying that the trans people are so mentally weak at this point that they are going to kill themselves if they don't get to physically change their body, even the trans youth. If someone is saying that they feel so mentally unstable about themselves that they feel the need to cut parts off of their body or they will kill themselves and that's their threat, is the solution to further affirm their desires to do this and allow them and find new ways for them to get to do this and even pay for it with taxpayer dollars? Or is the option and the better option and the solution really to love them in a hard way, give them hard love, and give them the help that they need? That, that should be a good question, right? So don't get tricked up when, whenever they talk about that. Usually when they're talking about we must save trans lives and this is, this is life-saving treatment, it's not that the person's going to die and they need medical treatment. It's that the person is threatening to kill themselves unless they get this treatment. And that's not stable at all. It says the cost for phalloplasty, which ranges from 20000 to 40000 is covered for most, most patients in Massachusetts per an order from the state that prohibits insurance companies from discriminating based on gender identity. I think another part of this, you guys, is the fact that everybody is going to sue each other now and, and medical providers, doctors, surgeons, I think they're going to get a little nervous and maybe they are right now. They're nervous they're going to get sued if they don't provide this. And what we have with Biden these days is he's trying to get... Um, gender identity and the trans population to be included in the civil rights that usually just make sure, okay, you can't discriminate based on sex, race, religion, all these things. The trans group is now trying to get included into this. And so what they could do, and because now we live in this era of litigation, if you haven't read, uh, what is it? Age of Entitlement by Christopher Caldwell. He talks about this after the passage of the Civil Rights Amendment or the Civil Rights Act. Everything became about, oh, well, you're violating my civil rights in some way. I'm going to sue you now and go around legislation straight to litigation to bring my change that I want to achieve. And it's truly like a new constitution. It's a new way of doing government in this country. So I think what we have here is this new level of fear. And I 
maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong, but it's my assumption, it's my guess based on this, that people are scared at this point to deny it because they know that there's groups waiting to sue on this claim. And just to close it off, you guys, keep in mind that these surgeries are very new. They are basically experiments taking place, and so not even on adults that are really consenting, but on children as well. And we truly just don't know the impact. Not only do we not know really the impact of having these hormones put into your body, especially for prepubescent children that are having hormone disruption, and then we don't really know what's going to happen next. But when you think of the physical implications of going through these surgeries, for example, a hysterectomy, removing a woman's reproductive parts, her uterus, her cervix, these things cause a serious impact in the body because it's a massive hormone disruption. It basically causes the woman to experience menopause or menopausal symptoms. It also causes the woman usually to experience serious depression. So put the menopausal symptoms now onto the body of a teenage girl. It's disturbing. Other things that we've also learned, especially in what is a woman, and if you do a little digging, you'll find that there's more and more people that are speaking out about what it's like to live post-surgery because you're not getting, you're not literally going from being a man to a woman or a woman to a man. You don't just magically have a penis out of nowhere when you used to have a vagina. Come on, guys. Yes, you can kind of make it look like that, I guess, down there, whatever, and it could technically do some of the similar things. But for the most part, I've heard stories of people not even being able to have sex again because it doesn't actually work. It just kind of looks like it. You know what I mean? On top of that, they can't pee without bleeding or having clots because, again, these are experimental surgeries. So imagine that on adults that consented to it and agreed to this and then put it on children and the adults that allowed the children to go through the experiment. It's disgusting. One person, a plastic surgeon who is a member at Boston Children's Transgender Surgery Team, said that 30 to 50 percent of phalloplasty patients seek treatment for a blocked or leaking urethra. If you gave someone all of the repercussions that will come from them getting this surgery, I wonder what their answers would be. I wonder what the transparency is when they are warning them of what could possibly happen to their body. Not only what could possibly, but what probably will happen to their body. Ugh. Now, what's even more fun, and just to close this out, you guys, if I tweeted any of this, I'd get banned from Twitter. If you tweet that a woman can never become a man, if you tweet something against the transgender population right now, not only, not in a mean way, but if you tweet something out on Twitter that challenges this current narrative, that it's okay to give children gender-affirming surgical care, then you could get banned from Twitter for spreading misinformation. I have a million flags on all of my social media content. That's why I like this podcast, because nobody really bothers me. You know what I mean? I could just po- I could just say what I want to say, and then I just tweet the link to the podcast on anything that I'm allowed to still post on. But Twitter, even though we're already experiencing this complete 1984 Orwellian level of control on these big tech platforms, they are rolling out yet another new process ahead of the 2022 election. So I figured after telling you all that nonsense, doesn't it wire you up? Doesn't it get you fired up and you want to go and talk about this and you want to go to the public square of Twitter and social media and say, we all need to be caring about this. 
Well, because of their standards that are so far in the favor of the woke left, we probably can't even talk about this stuff. We have to keep it in our own circles and then most importantly, have conversations in person with the people that we care about and have serious conversations with them in that way instead of posting just on social. So I'm looking at an article right now, post-millennial again. Oh, geez. I think all my articles except for one were from post. Um, But Twitter rolls out plans to, quote, protect the U.S. midterms and suppress misleading information. It says, as they've done in international elections, Twitter is now, quote, activating enforcement of their civil integrity policy for the 2022 midterms. Twitter states their civic integrity policy covers the most common types of harming misleading information about elections and civic events, which include false claims about how and where to vote, voter intimidation, and misleading claims intended to undermine public confidence in an election, which includes false information about the outcome of that election. When Twitter mods encounter information they believe comes under the, quote, harmful misleading information category, they will not recommend or amplify this content and will provide a prompt prior to liking or sharing the tweet. And in cases where there is potential for harm associated with the false or misleading claim, the tweet may not be liked or shared to present the spread They might make it so that the tweet can't even be liked or shared because they want to prevent the spread of misleading information. Do you see where this is going? It says, In the lead-up to the presidential election in 2020, Twitter suppressed and censored reporting by the New York Post that tied then-candidate Joe Biden to his son Hunter Biden's overseas business dealings. Twitter believed reports coming out of the Biden campaign and other sources that claimed the information had been obtained through hacking a disallowable practice, or they believed that it was Russian disinformation. Well, guess what, you guys? The laptop was real. That entire story was real. And it turns out that had Americans known about the story, had they known about the connections between Hunter Biden and his illegal business dealings, and the the connection between Hunter Biden, Chinese, Russian, and Ukrainian businesses and the fact that joe biden was getting 10 percent and all the hooker stuff on the laptop 16 percent of joe biden voters would not have voted for joe biden that number would have pushed president trump over the top over the needed number and he would have won the presidential election 16 percent but on twitter and other big tech platforms it was too late it was labeled as misinformation and you could not discuss the story online because they claimed it was russian disinformation so that's what this censorship really does it controls numbers and outcomes it's wildly frustrating that this stuff happens it's also wildly frustrating on top of the fact that these stories are coming out about what's going on at boston children's hospital cutting off the breasts and taking the reproductive systems out of young girls. We can't talk about that without getting flagged for spreading misinformation or harmful information. But you can see all of these transgender activists openly talking about how they want to send hormone prescribed drugs to children who were not prescribed them across the country. There is no fair standard whatsoever, whether it's the FBI, the DOJ, or these private tech companies that are supposed to be today's public square. It's really a shame. You guys, I've ranted for far too long. I must go now. I hope you have a wonderful weekend. Thank you for tuning in. If you haven't yet, please share that you listen to this episode, that you listen to this show, and do me a favor, leave me a five-star review and a little worded review. You know what I mean? Give me the word review at the end of this. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. See you later.
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.